This is Original Six. Matt Murray has got that dog in him. And it was a rough night to be a Dallas Stars fan. Welcome back to the Original Six Podcast. Ryan Savine, Zach Mullen, no Paul Ananitis today. What's going on, Zach? Nothing much. Nothing much, you know, just enjoying a great leaf week. Week of leaf. I don't I don't know how to say that, but you know what I mean. I, I do know what you mean. You were laughing at my <laughs> intro there. Did you not uh, see the Leafs Instagram uh, post? No, that's why I was laughing. Oh, you did see it, yeah. You were getting it, yeah. <laughs> He's got the dog in him for the shutout. The murdog. Uh, welcome <laughs> back to everyone joining us. Make sure to follow if you are new. Subscribe. All that jazz, as uh, I've been known to say over the years. Um but yeah, thank you for joining us. Let's get right into it. Week in review, three games, the Sharks, the Lightning, and the Stars. Uh, San Jose game was last week, a week ago as of a recording, recording this on Wednesday the 7th. Uh, the Leafs took a 3-1 dub here, kind of a meh, boring, nothing game, really. Uh, but obviously the story of this one was Marner looking to tie the Toronto Maple Leafs franchise record for points in consecutive games. And he did just that. Yeah, he did. Uh, and actually, he just missed right before then. And everyone was like on the edge of their seats. Like, oh, he just missed an empty net. What a great chance. And then actually, uh, Kerfoot managed to get in the puck, like literally like 15 seconds right after and score. Uh, and in, to in, get the empty net. In typical Leafs fashion, with the empty net, he overpasses instead of just going for the shot. Yeah. To overpassing. That is a bad theme that has been going around the last few weeks honestly you think uh, you think he kind of like wanted it to be an assist she's like I- i'm the assist guy you know might as well stay true to who i am I, uh, I don't know like it's it's hard to say if he was thinking about the point streak in that moment or if he was just thinking about getting <laughs> i don't, I don't care how much of a professional you are like i don't care if you're like jason spezza like stoism level ten thousand. <laughs> You are a human being and playing and living in mm. Toronto. That's all the media can talk about. You're thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I think you're right. Especially, I, I don't know if you saw that clip of Marner as a kid talking about the Leafs being his favorite team. Like he was like, he just finished playing hockey. Like he's in hockey gear as like this young, like maybe seven or eight years old. And I see, I saw that clip like eight times on Twitter within like two days around uh, the whole streak stuff. So it's all anybody's been talking about in Leafland. Yeah. It's it's pretty nuts. Mitch Marner has gone streaking just in the good way, not in the bad way. Get your head out of the gutter. <laughs> um, Zach, going streaking. Yeah, exactly. Zach, you were actually at the next game in Tampa Bay. Uh, yes. First of all, what was it like to be behind enemy lines at a lightning game? That was very, very interesting. So it was a little bit of a story behind this because it's a bit crazy. But essentially, I was supposed to land in Tampa at about 3.30 p.m. uh, local time, which is uh, the same same time zone as Toronto. And so I should have had like four hours. I was flying Air Canada. So I arrived at 6.58 that's when I touched down. That's when the plane hit the tarmac. It was 6.58. The game started at 7. Damn. 6.58. 
So it was a bit of a rush. I missed the first period. Thankfully, nothing happened, but it was kind of cool. Uh, there are a lot more Leaf fans at that game than I was expecting. There were a ton on my flight. There were people wearing jerseys on my flight really? while complaining on about the missing the game. Yeah, there were a couple of people wearing that's jerseys wild. on the flight. So they were that's, they were excited. That that takes like <laughs> Leaf jerseys on the subway to a whole other level. Yeah, you thought that was crazy? Imagine like three hours in an airplane, but you're stuck in your Leafs jersey. I yeah. wouldn't even want that. That's why no. I didn't wear it. <laughs> Definitely not. I love my jerseys. Don't get me wrong, but they're just not something I want to spend time in if I don't have to. That sounds really yeah. bad. But and you're also sitting in a seat for the whole time, right? That's I don't know. That's gross. I I can't. I have to be sweatpants and a hoodie. That's... Yeah, the Leafs are international. Yeah, die diehard Leafs fans. But international uh, waters. Yeah, got there and uh, it was it was pretty fun. I had some Tampa fans around me. I had some Leaf fans around me. So I was what definitely cheering. I was wearing the Bieber Matthews jersey. Oh yeah, I had to. Yeah, so it was uh it was a it was a really good game though. I think uh, it was cool to see like Marner, uh, break the point streak, and it was uh, just like it was just an take that in. That's nuts that you were in attendance in Tampa Bay for Marner breaking the point streak and did it on a shorthanded goal. And after we talk about the Dallas game, you know, being shorthanded seems to have mm-hmm. been uh, a pretty constant theme for the Leafs, but. Also a yeah. successful one this week. Yeah, I, I don't know what it's been this week, but it's been, uh, okay, take penalties because apparently it's okay. Justin Hall, very good at this, by the yeah, way. Just throw the Dallas game, Just throw it. Just, just grab it and throw it. Like, yeah. he might as well, man. Yeah. Play some baseball. <laughs> some some stick and puck. Nah, I'm good. Yeah. It's, it was a good game, though. But uh, uh, unfortunately, they lost this one in overtime. Another terrible turnover. Funny enough. It was a... Oh. I I saw your was it a Snapchat story of the game going into the overtime and you're like oh no yeah. you just <laughs> knew just knew yeah the buzzer went and I I think I turned to my mom and I literally said we're so bad in overtime <laughs> this is not gonna end well oh my <laughs> yeah. god what's the record in overtime like one in five now I one in six because we have six overtime slash shootout losses and we haven't been in the shootout yet so. Six. That ties there. Carolina yeah, for the league six, lead. Yeah. Which is the league lead, or I don't know if that's a good lead. The league end? I don't uh, I don't know. I don't know. Not good. Craziness. And it was Matthews too, who I mean, like we've had our turnover trouble this season, but he's kind of been the one guy who has been pretty on top of his shit in that regard mm, all season. Yeah. I mean, Marner had his struggles at the beginning, but like Matthews, I guess him and Nylander, and I I'll throw Tavares in there too, because he's been good. Um, hmm. but just like a crazy back and forth game, like lots of high scoring. Willie scored. Was there a called off goal in that two? Game? There was a called off goal for each team. Yeah, because of course there was. Yeah, it was. I think Tampa's goal they were offside, and then our goal, uh, Johnny kicked it. Yeah. So it was. It was. It was. It was a pretty wild game. It was one of the one of the better games I've ever been yeah. to. I think I was. I was at work during the game. The game, my shift finished around like 10 p.m. So I hopped on the subway and I was taking the university lineup from Osgood to Shepherd West. So like the end of yeah. that stretch where it's outdoors. Yeah. So I threw on the game on my phone and watched overtime. That's oh. all I saw. Oh, buddy, that's a waste of like 47 seconds of that. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Brutal. Um, but they uh they got a point, I mean, which is 
sure, it's great and all, but first time returning back to Tampa since the game seven loss, uh, you definitely want uh, you definitely want that one. Um, but then they come back home to play the Dallas Stars. That was a game last night. And this game has got a whole whack load of coverage, as stuff like this usually does in Toronto. Four nothing shutout, Matt Murray, 44 saves. Um, in Steve Dangle's video, he was saying that in modern stat era of the NHL, so let's say since like 2006, Matt Murray's performance was the highest goals saved above expected since this modern stat era yeah i saw that stat uh, from moneypuck.com uh on twitter after the game it was uh 5.979 goals saved above expected which Put it is this way i am really glad he did not let in 5.979 goals <laughs> let's say that's, that that's where the next highest is ali uh alexander Georgiev when he played for the Rangers, when he had 5.3 on March 20th, 2022. So crazy. Like was, that a, was that any performance more. or was it for a shutout specifically? A uh, shutout specifically. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, Still, I mean, you, you got to give the guy props. He stood on his head from the drop of the puck that game. Um, hmm. Obviously, you could talk about the Leafs goal scoring. Um, you know, a couple good goals. Matthews with a nice one. Sandine. Kerfoot had the empty netter. But it was the defense and the penalty kill. I mean, yeah. what, how many penalties do you take? Seven in this game? It, it's too many. <laughs> Nuts. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, but, I mean, you kind of look at that five on three, the end of the second. Like, this is the turning point of the game. Leafs are up 3 nothing at the time. Like, they just got the third. You know, thankfully, they killed it off from incredible efforts. It was Marner, Sandine, Lilligren, and Murray because Giordano and Hall were both in the box. Mm-hmm. But Marner, no stick. Sandine just laying out. I mean, you've just got to hand it to those guys. I mean, that game could have, like, that could have been a 4 3 Dallas win. You know, they put a couple in on the power play and go into the third down one or two. I mean, yeah, that was definitely like, that definitely could have been a momentum and game changer. But I feel like that actually gave us. The momentum. Oh, for sure. And like it definitely helped that the end of the period happened before the penalties were over. So that kind of like because of all the time it takes to set up in the zone and stuff like that, it it sheds like a good 15 seconds off, which was nice because I wouldn't have wanted to see an extra 15 seconds of that nonsense. (laughs) That (laughs) is true. uh, it was good. Those get those four guys definitely laid it on the line during that penalty kill. It was uh it was pretty it was pretty dope to watch. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I mean, like you kind of think Mar- uh, Marner, Sandine and Lilligan really wouldn't. You'd never know that you potentially have penalty killers in either of them if it hadn't been for the injuries and Giordano and Hall getting the penalties. Yeah, there's like I don't know if I've ever seen Sandine on the penalty kill ever. I can't remember the last time. There's no way because I mean, like even if your usual suspects are you know, not playing injured in the box. Like he is not the net. He is probably five, six, like him and Lilligren on the penalty killing depth chart. Yeah. Which is like the fact that they're having to play five on three, which is like the toughest scenario. You always want your best like defenseman on the ice for that. Well, our best defensemen are injured or in the box themselves. So did you just refer to, the collective Hall and Giordano as our best defenseman. Our best 
active defenseman currently on the team playing not injured. Fair enough. Last week on the body, you weren't here, but Paul was. And Paul actually admitted that Justin Hall has been playing well. He he's gotten I th- honestly his overall level of play he has, has gotten he's been a fantastic for his standard. He I don't give a shit if he has a point or ten or and like any point is irrelevant. It's just the lack of errors which make him good at this point. He just he's doing some things like irregularly that are really like really funny, like throwing the puck. The other one was yeah, I don't hilarious. know if you saw that clip of him. Uh, he hit Murray, yeah. and then on the like. Five seconds later, he swung at the puck and like high stick to Dallas guy right in the face. Yeah. Oh, and he like, took, that's out, just he took out Robertson on the double minor. Oh, no, sorry. That was Engvall. <laughs> I, I don't know. It was just, it, 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 this guy's too much sometimes, but he's he just, has gotten better. He's a meme. I'll give him that. Yeah. I think he listened to the podcast and was like, oh, these guys uh, harping on me pretty bad. I better step it up. Yeah, honestly. Um, Kind of got lost in this game. Connor Timmons plays his first game as a Leaf. Uh, and Semyon Dur Argachinsev, SDA, uh, played his first ever NHL game and logged a, a whole 7 minutes, 16 seconds. Wow, 7 minutes. <laughs> I know, but I, I feel bad for the guy because, like, obviously you're going to be sheltered in your first game, but then to have your team take 7 penalties, like, yeah. that's that's 14 minutes off the clock of potential playing time. Yeah, it was just like I don't. It doesn't even surprise me that he didn't play that much because I thought it'd be less. To be honest, I just looked it up and I was expecting it to be like four. Yeah, I don't really. I saw him on one shift. Maybe that was pretty much it. I'd like to see him play again to get an like a legitimate look at like what he can do. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Uh, as for Timmins, uh, I I did like him. I noticed him. He stepped up once when uh, guys were whacking away at Murray and uh, yeah. He had made a couple of mistakes, but I felt like he actually had. He's a good, fallen like, over himself game. four times. Oh my gosh! Like I felt so... the ice. Can I just say the ice in Dallas was so bad? It I saw really everyone bad. fall. So many people were falling. Like no one was skating properly. So even the yeah. stars fell. The stars are falling. The stars are falling. Shooting stars. Yikes! That's a, that's a Dallas thing, all right. Uh, Straight out of Texas. Um, two zero and one. On the week, Paul actually got the prediction, but he ain't here to revel in it, so no credit. We can't even tell him. I'm not even no. Don't no. say anything to him. No, can't let it go to his head. Um, sixteen five and six on the year, second in the Atlantic. That's good enough for fourth in the NHL as of right now. Although by the end of the night, things could change. The Maple Leafs now have points in twelve games. The last twelve games, rather, their last regulation loss came on November eleventh against the penguins today's december 7th wow it's That's almost a... been a calendar month since they have a regulation loss yeah wow when it i feel like it maybe it's just a leafs thing but when like the highs are high and the lows are low because literally yeah. a month ago we were saying that, fire that... keith trade marner like Oh my gosh, like tank for Connor Bedard. Like everyone yeah, I'm, was going I'm still nuts. on the Bedard train. I'll, I'll take him. He'll lose every game from now until the end of the year. Connor yeah, Bedard. Exactly. Just let Matthews he'll, get the rocket, but then just pull your goalie to get scored on. He'll still go to Edmonton somehow. Don't even. They can't afford him. <laughs> the, uh, my one saving grace is they cannot afford him. <laughs> um, It would not be a typical Leafs week. 
this season without a couple more injuries. Uh, Mullen MD is uh, taking Paul's place this week. Uh, what's on tap for injuries in Leafsland this week? Uh, what's going on? I'm sorry I'm missing Paul. He's my uh, favorite Paul on the podcast. Me so, too. No way. Really? Yeah, I'm missing that guy. Uh, yeah, again, another week where I'm hopping on the potty and, uh, you know, just talking about injuries, which is not fun. Um, so let's get right into it. So as we already know, Leafs are down so many defensemen. Uh, and now we lost to Victor Mete as well. This guy was like borderline seventh or eighth defenseman. And now he was kind of like in our top six and now he's not. So he got hit into the boards uh, by a Dallas defenseman kind of awkwardly kind of reminded me of um, that scary hit uh, on Pacioretty from Zidane Ochara a long, long time ago. The one with that, you know how they made the boards like her. Yeah. After that hit, because it literally like knocked him straight unconscious uh yeah so it was kind of a bit like that not nearly as intense uh but it did look to kind of trigger something i don't even know what's going on with him though uh in my in my non-medical terms he got Mm. crunched Mm. he got crunched crunched Yeah. yeah he's unavailable for the rest of the week due to crunch dealing with yeah. the crunch dealing with the crunch yeah, uh, so he is unavailable for the rest of the week. Uh, the team's announced they don't think the injury is serious, but, quote, he will miss some time. What does some time mean? Who knows? Not a clue. Some time could be one game. Some time could be, like, eight weeks. I don't know. I don't know. There's, like, they don't even want to talk about what's going, what's going on with people because there's just too much going on. So many injuries. Someone... They need to start drinking some milk, okay? The bones are looking frail. Yeah. Uh, Cal Yarncroke also got injured this week. Yeah, uh, they're saying it's a groin injury. Uh, it happened against, I believe it was against Tampa Bay. Uh, November, whatever November 30th was. No, that's, I lied. It's against San Jose. San Jose, yeah. Yeah, so he's out with a groin injury, at least missing the next two weeks as of five days ago. So he might be back after a week and a bit. But uh, again, with groin injuries, it's kind of more of a focus on the rehabilitation process rather than just uh, getting over it. If that makes, I don't even know if those two are different, but you know what I mean. Yeah, he it's not as much of it. like a time thing. It's like you got to also strengthen it and make sure you're not going to get injured yeah. again. So wouldn't surprise me if he's out for another two weeks. So we'll see. Fair enough. Poor guy too. I mean, like just kind of got a spot on the second line with uh, Tavares and Marner, like potentially at a top six look for some extended time because Keith just does not want to give Robertson that spot on a regular basis. Kerfoot mm-hmm. has been Mr. Invisible. So, you know, it looked like Yarncrook was going to get a good look in the top six, uh, but that will have to wait until his groin is better. Uh, who's who's the next up defenseman now? I mean, uh, who does he? Philip Crawl is injured. Yes, he got injured with the Marlies the other day. Yeah. So do you just rock Timmins Hollowell until one of them gets injured or someone else is available? I mean, 
I don't see Keith calling up someone else or this at least is... playing someone else. I mean, I feel like Hollowell was serviceable. Timmons had a decent game. I mean, I think that's just kind of what your third pair has to be. At this point, there's no other choice because, and they're both right hand, which is so weird because our problem was always we didn't have enough right handed defensemen. Yeah, now, no, the issue is we just in. didn't look far enough down the defensive depth chart to find them. That was <laughs> the is, issue all along, which is ridiculous that we're actually getting there now. And this is now a necessity, but yeah, great. We have too many right shot defensemen. It's too, too many. We got to spread the injuries around, guys. Come on. Yeah. We're like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on. We need some right shot D to get hurt. Um, but uh, we'll see what happens as we move on and welcome Zach back. Ooh, Zach back. Marner's point streak, 20 games, 27 points, sets the Maple Leafs franchise record, surpassing Daryl Sittler, who's been on this podcast, and Eddie Olchuk. Uh, you know, like we know what Marner's capable of defensively, I think, and the broadcasts have have been talking about this as well is that as equally equally it's equally impressive that he's a on this point streak but doing the things defensively at the same time yeah it, and it's been really a two-way street for him in terms of defensive and offensive play he's definitely shown a lot of improvement and i think you can just look at that penalty kill and just seeing the way he's diving in front even though he doesn't have a stick he's still uh going into shot lanes he's still being a nuisance that kind of stuff. I've definitely noticed him uh, come back and force the other team to turn up, turn the puck over a lot. I've noticed that uh, a lot over the last couple of weeks. So he's done a really good job defensively. Maybe it's just the mindset. He was like at such a low, you know, when we were on that Western coast road trip. And I think maybe just this, um, you know, the positive play has gotten to his legs and it's really impacted him both ways and now he thinks he can just do it all and he has been doing it all so all he needs to do is score in overtime so we can stop losing in overtime and and then i think he's done everything yeah just no more overtime mitch please <laughs> um the, the broadcast uh was talking about this last night during the the dallas game is should whatever you want to say should is mitch marner in the selkie conversation Ooh. Wow. I don't know. Should he be? I don't know what is, but do you, in your opinion, do you think he should be? You know what? I think there does need to be a conversation about it. I think they just, they have to look at it and at least like, you know, say, is this guy worthy of being at least considered? I don't know if I would put him in top three in the league so that he gets nominated, but you know, it wouldn't surprise me if, if he plays this way for the rest of the year, like him getting a couple of votes for Selkie and being high up on that list, because he's definitely shown, yeah. uh, you know, brief flashes of uh, Bergeron-esque defensive play. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you this. The last time the Selkie was awarded to a non-center was 2003. Ooh. Yuri Lettinen. You Ooh. would not have guessed that. No. <laughs> Before Lettinen, you have Chris Draper, Brendamore, Brendamore, Datsuk, 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 Kessler, Bergeron, Taves, Bergeron, Bergeron, Kopitar, Bergeron, Kopitar, O'Reilly, Couturier, Barkov, Bergeron. And I think we're missing someone Kuch in there. Couturier. Who won it last year? Oh, Bergeron, yeah, 2022. Uh, yeah. Okay. Wow. So 2003, guy... so it's been almost 
20 years. They should just rename the trophy the Bergeron Trophy. Why is who is Silky? No one knows, but yeah. everyone knows Bergeron. Well, they so. should name it the best defensive centerman trophy. But yeah, I think I, mean, I think that's also what makes him, or at least his defensive play more impressive, is that he's doing it as a winger. And I know I like positionally, it's it's the center's job to get back and kind of be down low in the defensive zone more so than the wingers. But his defensive play is also part of what makes him a great player. He is a 200 foot player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think the fact that we're even talking about him in a Selkie conversation means that his defensive play is all that much better. So it's on par with centermen who have to play that defensive kind of aspect of their game, right? And so I feel like that definitely totally. speaks to like his penalty kill prowess and, uh, and effort that he's put in. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about defensive play, but not necessarily just a Mitch Marner, but the team and the defense uh, specifically. Paul and I spoke about it last week with all the injuries. No, Riley, Brody, Muzzin, Ben, now Mete. Um, but the, the defense has continued to be good. Um, you know, Paul and I spoke about who we had, you know, mentioned as the big people stepping up. It was obviously who you would have expected in this situation. Sandine, Lilligan, Giordano. I think you can pretty much throw a haul in that conversation now because he has been better. Um. What what have you noticed about those four in particular? I mean, obviously the minutes are up. That's no question. Giordano is playing probably more minutes than any other 38, nine-year-old in the league right now. So what have you noticed? Yeah. Uh, I think it all stems from Giordano's example like that he's setting, which is playing a ton of minutes, being good defensively. I would have said not taking too many penalties, but he just did that. But, you know, he's had a really good jump in his step. He does not look like the Giordano of last year. He looks way better. The fact that he's on league minimum or close to league minimum contract this year is absolutely atrocious for the amount of minutes and the way that he's playing. That's an absolute wow. steal. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Gotta he's just love the hometown example. discount. I would wish uh, John Tavares would take home to yeah. I, I bet you his next contract, <laughs> should he stay in Toronto, will be a lot less than 11 plus. I I, uh, I hope so. We'll but he's, I mean, I, you could kind of look at it like this is the second year in it as his Leafs tenure where he's really earning it. Hmm. The other one being his first year, he put up 47. Yeah, I will say, he, uh, as of uh, according to the broadcast last night, he is on pace for 40 this year, which will be his second highest goal total ever. Wow. That's good. Um, He's playing really well. Yeah. So let's stick with the defense for a bit. Obviously, you never want to see these kind of injuries, uh, but the, the teams played well given, you know, the cards they were dealt. But does the play of, you know, individuals, the, the defensive group, the team as a whole, does their defensive play in lieu of the injuries change anything in terms of what they do or strategy or how the injured players return like does anything change there or is it just as simple as when those guys come back they're in the lineup i think there definitely has to be the change in terms of keeping the consistency that we're having right now and the biggest thing that i look at is uh work ethic like, I really think the fact that uh, we have so many injuries, like the blue line is actually like they're working harder because they know that they don't have these guys to kind of rely on. Like Sandine and Lilligan can't just say, 
oh, well, I'm not going to play penalty kill minutes. You know, I'm not going to play big minutes so I can kind of just like play my normal. But now with all the injuries and stuff, you don't even know who's going to go next. So now you just have to like give it 100% as much as you can and, and provide. So my huge worry is when we start to get some of the big guns back, does that mean these guys are going to take their foot off the gas? Does that mean they're going to kind of say, okay, my job's done. I covered while this guy was gone. Now he can do it kind of thing. And so it worries me because I feel like if we get a bunch of guys back in a short amount of time, if we get Riley and Brody back within, you know, weeks of each other, it would worry me the fact that like the, our defensive play might slip a little bit. So I feel like the change is keeping, it's complicated, but the change is keeping our work ethic from now and not going back to our work ethic from before the injuries. Right. Cause also you kind of look at it like the team's on a roll and, and, you know, we've talked about if it isn't broken, don't fix it. But I mean, we're here because it's broken, right? Like <laughs> in a sense. So it's weird. Like you don't want to mess up what's working, but you know, if Riley and Brody come back, you they they have to get in the lineup. I, I think yeah. the only saving grace is you, you don't feel like they have to come back and play every game right away. Right. Like you can give them a game on a game off and have some confidence that, you know, Sandine and Lilligren can play top four minutes. They've been doing it. They can do it again. You know, you, I, I think that's the main thing, right? You don't have to throw Riley straight back into the fire. Yeah. Which is good. Oh. Brody as well. I mean, those are, those are minute munchers on the blue line, right? So those guys don't have to play every game. Maybe they get two on one off for the first two, three weeks of them being back. Right. Yeah, and I feel like you don't have to have Riley up against those big matchups like pretty much constantly all the time when he comes back. You know, maybe you give Sendines look really good on that first power play unit as the quarterback back there. So I'd say, you know what, like don't even put Riley on the power play one unit. Like let him just ease back into all the different roles that he's in, uh, you know, get his legs out, get his legs under him uh and hopefully not injure them. Yeah. So it's funny because I think that would be the first thing he takes back is the top power play. Really? And then <laughs> you kind of just give him more so like the offensive responsibilities on five mm. on five. Like you give him the offensive zone starts and allow like a Giordano and Hall to kind of be your your shutdown pair, defensive zone draws matching up against you know the the other team's top lines. I think I I think in terms of recovery and like coming back from injury, the offensive side is what needs less integration back into your game. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, you're definitely right. I feel like if he comes back in and is immediately playing on the top penalty kill, blocking shots and stuff like that. Well, I mean, he doesn't play there anyways, but. who? I don't know. Keith sometimes, man, he he does some crazy stuff. So Uh, he puts Justin Hall on the penalty kill. So it seems to be working. He plays Justin Hall. So that That, he he, he does play Justin Hall. (laughs) Yeah. Enough said. <laughs> I should stop harping on the guy though. Honestly. <laughs> um like like I kind of said though, like Sandine and Logan, we're getting a good glimpse of what they're capable of. When the other guys come back, do you think obviously their minutes are gonna be cut, but maybe not as much now, so that you know Keith hopefully has a little more confidence in them. Maybe the minutes are a little more evened out. But do you think Sandine and Lurgan get a you know a couple extra opportunities here and there, knowing that you know Keith can can kind of have that bout of confidence in their play yeah 100 percent. i definitely like he his trust in those two has definitely skyrocketed over the last couple of weeks and i feel like as long as they keep up this level of play and that continues once the big guys like come back 
definitely I can feel like if you know if Riley's having an off game something like that like I don't think he hesitates at all to start cycling the defensive lines and and you know having those bottoms uh bottom four defensemen kind of play a little bit more than you know the top two for sure it wouldn't surprise me at all you know what I I think the biggest relief when these let's say you know we're healthy or at least let's just look at like a Riley Brody return because Muzzin may never play an NHL hockey game again Hmm. I think the biggest thing you get out of this is confidence that Giordano and Hall and Sandy and Lilligren can play together as pairs like we saw Keith throwing the defensive lines in the blender so often, but I think this stint has really showed you that Gio and Hall can be a pair. Santine and Lilligren, they can also be a pair. So if you want to have that four with Riley Brody, when everyone's healthy, you've kind of at least now solidify a couple pairings that, you know, work at least for now, like things can change. Um, players return, you know, Mojo gets all thrown in the blender, but for now, mm-hmm. I think that's huge, right? Like having some sort of stable pairings, you know, when Ben comes back, maybe he can get in a game. If and when Muzzin comes back, that's a whole other conversation. But the ability to have some sort of consistency in defensive pairings, I think will be huge for the team. It'll be interesting to see what he does. Yeah, he's going to have a lot of options now, which is a, a really good change, a really good change. Yeah, that uh, that'll definitely be nice. Um, quickly, I feel like we have to, um, talk about how the Leafs seem to be comfortable holding leads. Paul and I spoke about this. I still don't think the Leafs trying to play grind them out, waste time in your defensive zone to win a game. I don't think the Leafs are built for that, but their record and their play as of late says otherwise. So I know Paul and I spoke about it, but do you think this is sustainable for them for the time being? No, I don't, yeah, I don't either. I, I don't either. It would be like a complete change of the identity of this team for them to be able to keep that up long term. I would be very, very surprised if they're able to keep that up. I don't think it's possible. I would love for them to play a fantastic defensive. Hey, we have a one nothing lead. Let's just like dump and chase and like hold the puck on the boards for like 10 minutes at the end of the third. I would yeah. love to see them do yeah. that. They're just not suited to do that. They're, this is an offensively built team, yes. and you can just see it in the way that they're structured. They're For meant sure. to have high-flying offense. I feel like they haven't even hit their offensive peak yet. I, I think agree. The fact that we had so many games of like two, three, four goals is very much undercutting the actual offensive firepower that the team has. And I, I can see them exploding in a game absolutely yeah. soon. I think it's going to yeah, happen. For sure. What – what worries me is how often they're hemmed in their own zone in third periods when they're holding lead. Like, it's great that you have the lead, but like, like sure. Matt Murray had a 44 save shutout. That's great. Mm. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. The defense played great, but you like, you have to imagine Sheldon Keefe is yelling at these guys. Like, you know, sure. Those are good things. We didn't give up a goal. Great. You know, shake your hand, but wouldn't it have been better if we didn't give up 44 shots and spent, you know, an extra 10 minutes in the Dallas zone, wasting time mm. there. Right. So that's what worries me is yeah. I don't think playing in our own zone is sustainable, especially with how often it's happening. Yeah. Like, like it seems we, like we're getting dominated mm. in shots and possession on a nightly basis, yeah. at least in the third period. 
yeah, it's just it's not great. And I don't think Murray don't don't get me wrong, Mur- Matt Murray has played fantastic hockey since return from injury. I'm really happy because I had very low expectations for this goalie tandem, so I'm happy. Yeah. But I don't think that's like you know, average Matt Murray, like what you're going to see every night, you know, I think he's just playing at a very high level right now. And that can absolutely go down. Like I, like I was at the Tampa game and I saw that goal that went in overtime. He's an extremely weak glove hand and it's yeah, very worrying. And I feel bad. like teams are going to, teams are going to jump on that. So I, you have to get better at clearing the puck out of your own end and like playing burn, like burn the clock minutes in the offensive zone and if we don't do it it's gonna bite us however that is hard to do without your four top defensemen so that is an important (laughs) asterisk that Mm. you know maybe we have riley brody you have some ability to clear your zone a little bit easily more easily Mm. i should say um a couple minutes left here before we wrap let's take a look at the week ahead three games until we record once again uh that'll be episode 10 of the season uh, Thursday, the Leafs uh, playing at home against the Los Angeles Kings. Saturday at home against the Calgary Flames. Tuesday at home against the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, we asked Paul for his input here. He has ghosted us. So, Zach, what is your key to success here? Honestly, and I'm going to be rare, really like situation specific. If you're in overtime, just shoot it. There's so many passes going on. It's absolutely ridiculous. Stop looking for the perfect pass. Get it on net. Get some shots in. You know, you never know what could happen. I'd rather you shoot at the net than like do 80 passes and then turn it over. Yeah, the infamous drop pass to enter the zone. Too many times. Yeah. Um, I have keep taking penalties because it seems to be working. (laughs) That is my key. Just just stay in the box, okay? It's time to get a residency in here. Take the penalties. Become friends with the timekeepers. You love to see it. No. In all seriousness, just, just keep doing what we're doing. I mean, it's it's working. Mm. Um, Paul got his prediction right last week, but he's not here to start us off. So, Zach, I'll throw it to you. Three games. What do you got? We got a minute left. One, one, and one. I think we're going to lose in regulation and break the point streak against Anaheim because no. they're uh, the worst team. Uh, yeah, and I think we're going to uh, beat Calgary and probably lose to LA in uh, overtime or shootout. All right. I'm going to say got... shootout. 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 Okay. Uh, I got three 0 and 0 because we should beat all of these opponents based on how they're playing right now. That is it for this episode. Ryan, for Zach, Paul, who's not here. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Make sure to subscribe, and we'll see you next week. Zach, really quickly, favorite three words. Go Leafs, go. Go Leafs, go. We'll see you next week on the Original Six Podcast, and remember to take care of the planet. Bye-bye. Bye.